My name is Dale Verne. I'm the CEO for Fortune Bay Corp. We are an exploration and development company. This is on the TSXV under the symbol FOR and in Frankfurt under the symbol FQN. We are focused um, our activities in northern Saskatchewan where we have our Goldfields project. That's our flagship gold asset where there's almost 1 million ounces in indicated open pit constrained resources. On that project, we've been doing some resource expansion drilling and some exploration drilling, as well as scoping studies as we advance the project toward a future PEA. On the doorstep of our Goldfields project, we have spotted two tremendous uranium opportunities that have high-grade potential typical of the Athabasca Basin, and those projects really allow us to leverage the experience in our uh, uranium um, exploration. Uh, we also have our, our, our Ixwatan gold project in Mexico. That is an advanced gold project with tremendous um, exploration development potential. Given our jurisdictional focus in northern Saskatchewan, it is an asset that we're looking to spin out or farm out to unlock value. We're well funded uh, with approximately six million in cash at the moment uh, with results to come this year from drilling in Saskatchewan. Dale, good to see you again. Um, we did try to speak recently, but I think you're a little bit poorly. Hope you're feeling better, are you? Much better, fighting fit here, Matt. So fighting fit, raring to go. Good man. Okay. Well, look, back in September, we we talked about you know the various projects, and I don't necessarily want to go over old ground. So we, I'll reference people to the link below to um, check out the previous interview. But um, Exiton Project Mexico parked up was a phrase I used. Um, looking for a strategic partner. Nothing's changed there, right? Nothing's changed. We've been working you know diligently on that, and you know we've had some options to consider, but nothing that's materialized in a, a transaction yet, of course. Okay, so that brings me to the, it's kind of the kind of important question for me to understand, which is, what are you? Are you a gold company or a uranium company? Well, we, we proudly both at the moment. You know, we have this these two gold assets. They have um, resources, you know, across the categories. We're looking at 3 million ounces in gold across the projects, and that really underpins our value. Uh, and, you know, our core asset there is the Goldfields project in Saskatchewan, where we're focusing but on the uranium side, we have these opportunities which really offer shareholders some tremendous upside, we believe, in the company. Okay, so you, you took about six million bucks in the bank, 25 million market cap. I share price roughly what it was when we spoke back in September. In, in a, admittedly, quite a, quite a tricky precious metal um, gold market. Um, I need to understand what the focus is going to be because, you know, when we spoke last, you put out some quite good drill results. I think we're talking about eight, eight, eight uh, gram per tonne over, over 12 meters, et cetera. And that, that was a good conversation. It's yes, high grade gold. Why wouldn't you go chasing that? Why are you getting distracted with the uranium? Well, we're not getting distracted. You know, we're continuing to march that gold asset along. You know, we have had a plan to do our phase one resource expansion drilling. We got through that. We announced assay results for the last, uh, for the first three holes. The remaining four holes, those assay results are still to come. Unfortunately, we caught up with delays, as a lot of companies had in the laboratories, but those should be coming out imminently. So we've continued with the resource expansion at Goldfields, as well as some exploration drilling this year in what we call our phase two. And we've been doing scoping level studies uh, last year on our gold project just to define what the optimal path, development path for this project is before we go to a, a study, probably a PEA, which is, is yet to be approved. Right. But do you know what I mean about that? It's a fair question to go, you know, are you being distracted? Because, you know, you got six million bucks in, in the bank. And I don't know what that was raised off the back of you saying to uh, the market, but you got a, it seems like a solid gold project, high grade gold project in a 
you know, in a province that is, you know, known for, for gold, um, why wouldn't you get your head down and, you know, focus on delivering the PEA? Isn't that where the, the, the quickest return on investment um, is going to come from? Well, you know, we, we are going to be doing that. We're going to move into a PEA with approval and we're going to, you know, undergo that process. Now, PEA, we can obviously, we'll use a reputable consulting company and that can happen in step with what we're doing on the exploration front on our gold project so it's it's not a distraction you know given we focus jurisdiction up near the uranium city area we have a set up a base there and we, we've been able to do our drilling early this winter on the gold um, and in tandem with that start the geophysics on the uranium properties and now that the gold fields drilling it will be wrapping up soon we'll able to shift the drilling focus to the uranium properties uh, come spring and into the summer. So, we, you know, we really, we don't see it as a distraction. We have the, the, we've built the capacity there in the Uranium City area to do that. And we feel it's important to continue to move that gold asset along. We, you know, we've seen the gold price obviously come up recently and the, and the outlook is, you know, we believe looking good. So it's important to move that along, but at the same time have these ex, this exploration opportunity on the Uranium front, which is obviously a very exciting time in the market. It's a very exciting time for uranium. I think it'll be a very exciting year for uranium. Um, but I, 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 that's, that's, that's the bit I'm sort of trying, to, trying to weigh up, which is, you know, given your background, Denson Mines, uh, et cetera, um, your, your natural inclination is, is, is towards uranium projects. Is, is that what's driving this? Or is, it, or is it a case of you're not quite sure that the gold project is going to be able to stand on its own two feet? I mean, my, I have a lot of gold experience, you know, going back to my, my days working in Africa. Starting my career at Goldfields, obviously a big mining house and had experience on the exploration and the mining side with Goldfields. Um, so, you know, there's there's a chapter there that's that's playing into what we're doing at Goldfields. And then with Denison, obviously, uh, you know, I've had a uranium cap on uh, before joining Fortune Bay, looking at lots of projects across the Athabasca Basin. In Fortune Bay, we have two outstanding projects there. So, um, you know, that experience with Denison has really helped us focus on the uranium. But when I was with Denison, we also did a, a PEA PFS study. So I've had experience doing project development in Saskatchewan, which is playing into what we're doing on the gold side. So it's, you know, we are diversified, but we have the, the necessary skills across the board, both myself, um, the, the board, and our and our technical team to to cover these projects. Right, because I remember I remember asking you back in September. Obviously, given the gold market wasn't fun, um, certainly not for juniors of, of a certain, certain size, you know, smaller size. Um, you know, was uranium uh, your way out of a difficult position there? You kind of pitched it as a diversification, a sort of de-risking, if you were. Is that is that the way you're looking at it in terms of? Because you're in the same jurisdiction, sure, but it's risking yeah. by commodity. It was, yeah, it was never, you know, a way out. You know, we've never wanted a way out of that gold project. We believe in it, and it's it's a it's a good asset. It's got resources. It's got exploration potential. And you know, Matt, you know, the commodity markets are cyclical, and uh, sometimes in those lower points in the market, where you actually got to move, keep moving things along, because when the market picks up and you've done the work, that's when you can really. Get a lot of value for for the work you've put in. Okay, right. So you, you are you're going to make a decision as to whether you guys do a PEA. Sorry, has that decision been made or not? I'm jumping in. It's not made yet. We haven't right. formally announced that, but the intention is to to do a study. You know, the last study that was done on the project was a PFS back in 2011, which showed positive economics, 144 million NPV. 
IRR of 19.6%. Today, we're in a much better gold price environment. The Canadian gold price has almost doubled. Um, so the, you know, there's tremendous upside there. So we need to put in front of the market what how this project looks in today's terms, along with these opportunities we've identified. You know, we've shown some of them on the exploration side through the resource expansion drilling, as well as identifying, you know, parts of the mine development that can be significantly improved, both from a mining standpoint and specifically from a processing standpoint, uh, where we look, we're looking to simplify the flow sheet. Now, you'd probably ask why are we not going straight to PFS? Don't we have the data in hand? Well, we do have a lot of indicated resources um, to do a PFS, but uh, the PEA would really be around process, the processing side. We don't have enough data to necessarily support that flow sheet at a PFS level now. So PEA would make sense just to demonstrate the economics, get some value for that, and then, then move forward into a more detailed PFS with this optimized uh, mine plan and processing plan. Okay, and that was the next question, but um, I'll just extend it a little bit, which is um, in terms of the data which was done back for, for the PFS in 2011, how much of that is going to be usable today? We, we know that costs have gone up across, across the board, so obviously the economic exchange and gold is in a much better gold environment too, so maybe those things net each other off, or maybe maybe gold price is going to put it, you know, Change, change things dramatically in terms of the IRR, for instance. But how much of the previous data can you rely on? Can you use to put into the PEA? And you know, how much more money do you need to spend to be able to get that PEA and or the data for the PEA in a state where you can use it? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of data because even prior to that 2011 PFS was actually a feasibility study wow. way back on the box deposit. So you guys are going backwards. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> we can so definitely lean on the situation. It feels like so. Yeah. Why, 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 why was that? Well, you know, we've got to remember standards have also changed uh, to to a large degree in the industry. So you know, are looking at sort of more rigorous standards. Certainly, what was done in the past would not necessarily qualify today in terms of pre fees or feasibility. Um, in How terms so? Of what QPs? Tell us why. Well, you know, a lot of QPs these days, qualified persons who sign off on the reports, they're looking for a bit more um, uh, and, and looking to be a little more rigorous with certain aspects of these studies. So, uh, you know, for the most part, it is quite similar. But what while we really going would go to PEA is, is really because we, we're optimizing, we're changing the processing side, particularly of the, the project. And we don't have the data on hand to support that right now. It would take a lot of money to get that data. So PEA's ability to, to demonstrate the economics in the shorter term at, at a lower cost, because we can lean on, on a lot of this, the previous data, and then uh, be able to advance the project forward. And, and another key thing to bring up here is, is the, this, the scope, because the, the project is permitted. It has a valid mine and mold uh, permit. In other words, it's had an EIS, an environmental impact statement that was approved. That is still valid today. So, you know, we, we can lean on the data from 2011 because that that development was really scoped to fit inside of that what was approved for the development of the project. So we would certainly scope it along those lines and use that the broader plan to do that. But there are several key areas of optimization that we are looking at that can improve the economics for the project. Right. So, and if you were to make a decision to go ahead, what would the, what could the potential timing of the delivery of a PEA be? Because there is a big moment because people, you put a flag in the sand and go, right, here's yep. broadly some economics that you can try and understand. Here's broadly how you can 
judge us against our peers. So what was the timing on that? So the timing, you know, as soon as we can kick that off, which we hope will be soon, you know, certainly by Q2, uh, you know, we've looked at we've looked at all the data. We've had proposals. We, you know, we don't think it's going to take a lot of time to complete because we have this vast repository of data. So probably by Q3, latest Q4, we could have that study wrapped up and then be able to make an informed decision on how to move the project forward. You know, concurrent with you know raising some capital for that. Okay, which says to me that you think you've got enough capital now to get to that point. Is that right? Yeah, that, that's right. You know, we okay. certainly. Land out a budget, and and that's uh, a, a, an item that's in there. Okay, so let's let's park that one up for now. So that's good. That's that, that's that's advanced uh, thinking since we last spoke. Um, let's talk about uranium, right? I I, I like uranium. I think market likes uranium um, at the moment as well. So you've got two projects. You've got Strike and Merrimack. Uh, and I think we talked about Strike last time um, we, we spoke, in, but it was such early days. So what's happened since we last spoke in September on the, on either of those? So the last time we spoke, we, we, we mentioned we've just announced that Strike Uranium project. Obviously, uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic opportunity. We were able to pick it up through staking, which is very low cost. And it came with all these data sets that Cameco collected. You know, Cameco went about all the right steps of looking for these high-grade Athabasca Basin-type deposits, um, including airborne geophysics, ground geophysics. They did a lot of boots on the ground prospecting. They identified all the right ingredients for a high-grade discovery. Uh, but never drilled that project. Um, you know, when when it lapsed, uh, when it lapsed shortly after Fukushima, which tells a story in itself. Everyone knows then that the market had quietened down. There wasn't really any uranium exploration going on. So we're fortunate to inherit all that data, put it together, and that project's practically drill ready now. On that project, what we're doing this winter is just some gravity, which is a very effective tool at mapping out these alteration halos around those types of deposits. And that will really refine our targets before we commence drilling that in May. Um, the other project is the Mermac project. Now, that was actually on the western side of the Goldfields claim block, which is really uranium geology. Again, there we see this package of electromagnetic conductors, which are graphitic rocks, which is the favorable host for Athabasca Basin high-grade deposits. So we've taken that western part of the Goldfields project, carved it as our Mermac project, and announced that shortly after we spoke. And that's gonna be our second uranium project, which is also gonna see geophysics this winter, both gravity and an airborne survey, and then followed up by drilling uh, later in the summer. Okay, okay, in interesting. And it's a, it's a, I guess the bulk of the money that you're allocating in terms of the you know field operations is gonna be on the uranium. That's right, okay. yeah, that's right. You know, probably looking at approximately two thirds of that going toward the uranium. Okay, okay. Should we read anything into that other than it's just seasonal allocation of 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 uh, budget, or is, you're not showing favour to one over the other? No, not not at all. You know, I think we we had enough. We raised enough to do what we wanted to on our goldfields project this year, and that's this this phase of exploration drilling between the two deposits on the property, and and advancing it through to through a PEA that's budgeted as as I said, not yet approved. So we're doing what we need to to keep marching that gold project forward. But obviously, two uranium projects that are at an earlier stage, we had an expiration stage with those. They do require a bit more capital to really get those going. So uh, you know, we've allocated that, and certainly the plans we announced in December, um, which are in our news release, 
you know, uh, you know, shareholders have been really happy with what we're doing with our group of assets in that area. Right, and and so who else is around? Because you're you're on the edges of the Athabasca Basin, right? That's that's the big uh, area that people around the world talk about because it's usually super high grade uh, finds and in, in terms of, and exploration success. So who who are you near? Because you're over on the west side, northwest side, versus you know most of the names that we might recognize over on the east. Yeah, that's that's right. So. You know, all the ground in that area is state, you know, and, and right across, you know, we on that, what we'd call sort of the northern rim, you're quite right, we sort of on the northwest side there. Um, so in that area, it's all staked and then numerous other juniors in that area, numerous other juniors starting up programs. And if you look to the southern or certainly the southwestern side of the basin, everyone's familiar with the big discoveries made by Next Gen and Fission. Now, that's right on the edge of the of the Athabasca Basin on the, on the southwestern side, we right on the edge on the on the northern side and it's there's on that northern side of the basin there's there's all the right favorable geology similar to what you get to in the south and it's these graphitic rocks but less exploration done in that area yet there are historical occurrences that show these um, uranium systems have been in place in those areas um, and it just needs more work to to make that discovery so we've got a really key land position up there in terms of its overall setting, it's very similar to what you see um, in the southwest with the discoveries of Arrow and Triple R, um, and you know we'll be chasing those types of targets um, in our in that area and in, in the Uranium City area, which is the Canada's original uranium mining district. Obviously, a huge endowment of uranium, a history of uranium mining and milling. Um, there just really hasn't been a, a lot of focus there. And we have two, the dominant land position amongst the these EM conductors, the graphitic rocks, which is what you want to target. We have a dominant position in, in that area with our two uranium projects. Okay. And so when you say, so it's not always nice to sort of drop in, I'm similar to the best grade projects in the world, no matter what the commodity <laughs> you're talking about. So, but you know, g- 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 give it to me precisely. Why, why are you using those as parallels? What do you see? What do you know now that you're seeing that you you can see from the, their public data? Well, firstly, those projects are located in what they call the basement rocks. So, in in the Athabasca Basin, you have deposits that sit at that unconformity, or sometimes in the sandstone above. Where we are, that sandstone's been eroded off, but we're right near the edge. So, we're looking at basement hosted deposits, which is the same as Arrow and and fission. Secondly. Those deposits, they, they occur associated with graphite horizons, which are these EM conductors. We have those through our project. And we have also the right, you know, I've looked at these models for many years with Denison and built these exploration models and had success, we've had success through discovery there with Griffin and Husky. So when you apply those models to where Fortune Bay has its uranium assets, it's checking all the boxes in terms of EM conductors, graphitic rocks, the right type of geochemical signatures uh, we, we are seeing in, in the rocks around, and as well as the right types of clay we're seeing. So we'll be chasing these basement-hosted deposits, which are, are favourable targets because they don't sit in the sandstone or with water-saturated sandstone above them, and they're amenable to more conventional mining methods. So and another key thing to mention, you know, what we'll be targeting are these high-grade deposits, but they're also going to be shallow. We're going to be targeting shallow depths and we are in proximity to infrastructure. So, you know, we have a power line that runs within five kilometers of both these projects. So if you put all those ingredients together, you don't necessarily even need a 
a huge, huge discovery. You could have a few smaller ones that are potentially open pitable because we're in these basement hosted rocks. So I think we've got a very, very compelling uh, exploration scenario in that area. And it, there's just been no focus on targeting these EM conductors or graphitic rocks in that area to make that discovery. And uh, because a lot of and on our Mermac project, it was historically gold focused. It was overlooked the uranium. And of course, that strike, uh, it, it's just never been drilled. Yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, you use the phrase, you know, water bearing sandstone, whereas you're in the, you're in the host, host rock, right? So it, it's, I mean, water is the big conversation piece for the Athabasca Basin, I guess the clues in the word basin, um, where in terms of licensing further down the, down the line, you know, um, there's some interesting conversations there because the, the EI, so EIA, uh, environmental type processes, First Nation type processes, just take that a little bit longer because there's slight nervousness about where these um, uranium exploration companies are. Um, how do you feel? You're right on the edge of a lake. Yeah, so we, sure, we, we're near the edge of the lake, but we, our projects are entirely on land. You know, if you look at our, our, our position there, we are entirely on the land. We're not, we're not encroaching in the lake. So our, our exploration will be land-based. And, you know, we're not dealing with um, an aquifer sitting on top of our projects. You know, we, we, we in straight into these conventional, well, into these competent basement rocks, uh, which lend themselves to conventional mining. So, we don't really see uh, some of the same uh, considerations in that respect. But of course, permitting is key and, and communities are key. So there's still a lot of consultation ahead of us. But in terms of a more conventional mining approach on land, where there's a precedent for mining, for milling, where there's some infrastructure in place, we think it's a, a very favorable place to be exploring for these high-grade deposits. And is there anything to be learned from the way that, because there's a lot of uranium juniors uh, over the past couple of years, they've, they've, they've been increasing in number. I suspect we'll see quite a few more uh, popping up uh, as, as uranium sort of starts moving through the, through the gears, as it were. Um, is there anything to be learned from the way that they have been doing their exploration? Is there anything new in any of this? Is there any new theses about how you go about finding uh, this uranium? Has that, has that changed or is it just fairly well-known and trodden um, path uh, that you need to take and therefore we should express nothing but success going forward. Yeah, no, you, you know, absolutely. You can certainly learn a lot from your peers and I, I know most of the uranium community there and it's really a collective effort of scientific understanding as these, some of these models evolve, you know, and they haven't evolved too much, but we've certainly learned a lot more, particularly around these basement-hosted deposits. Um, because, you know, historically, a lot of the exploration in the basin was focused at the unconformity and there was sort of a, almost a rule you had to have some sandstone there. And, and we've learned in more recent years at NextGen and Fission that there are these, you know, big deposits that sit in the basement rocks. Now, there was Eagle Point, uh, Kamiko had in the basement rocks, but it, 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 wasn't, it, it wasn't something that people chased until these big discoveries were made by NextGen and Fission. So I think you've seen a bit of a shift in terms of, understanding these basement hosted deposits better and understanding where and how they form and what are the what are the signatures around them that can provide you with an enlarged exploration target. So I've certainly been involved in that process through Denison's discoveries of Griffin and Husky, looking at these basement deposits and understanding what and where to, you know, what to look for and where to look for these deposits. So uh, certainly a lot's been learned and we have now the right tools and models in place to 
to have a specific exploration hypothesis for our two projects and can go about testing that in a, in a precise, systematic way. Okay, so um, you're going to say, how many trials are you going to be allocating to those projects? Is it one each or? So we, we at, at Strike, we, you know, we, we sort of penciled out or, or showed our plans to do about 2,500 meters of drilling at Strike and then okay. another 2,000 meters of drilling at Mermac. That's going to get us, you know, anywhere between 10 and, you know, 15 holes on each project. Um, that's that's flexible. You know, as a junior, you've got to be flexible. So it's going to be results driven. If we if we have success at strike, and uranium's great because you can drill a hole, pull out core, and immediately with a scintillometer see if you've got results or not. So we'll we'll drive the p- program based on results, and you know we'll try, we 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 do have a lot of targets to test. We've got a lot of strike length, so this will be the initial campaigns to test some of these targets, and it will be results driven. You know, of course, if we're hitting mineralization. On one of the targets, uh, we'll 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 stay focused on that. Got it. So drill target definition on, on that. Um, what's that look like? For what's the timing of all of that for this year? What when should we expect information back from you on that? So you will get through the geophysics in the winter months, the gravity surveying, and also VTEM survey at um, at Mermac. And then come May, we're looking to start up the drilling at Strike, and and that's a case of uh, you know you, you drill a hole. You got to look at the geology. You do your scintillometer prospecting, downhole gamma probing, um, and then you can ascertain if there is mineralization. Often, it's visible in the core, and from that point, you can basically start reporting results. So, and uh, in terms of you know, in terms of um, scintillometer values, counts per second, and then the assays obviously come a bit later. So, you know, with the delays in, in, in assays these days, it's quite nice to be able to report the initial results from radiometrics. And then follow that up at a later stage with the actual assay results. Okay, yeah, I think the market is getting used to that. Um, well, Dale, nice, nice update. I got a sense of um, what you're going to be up to. You've got the money to uh, deliver. Um, love it if you could stay in touch with us and let us know how things are progressing on, on both those fronts. Because I guess you, you've got a bit of optionality in terms of well, you've got a few things to deliver. We've got to work out what you're doing in Mexico. Hopefully, we'll hear something from you soon or this year um, about that. Um, obviously, the, the, the Uran Goldfields project, um, in terms of the, the, the gold component, you, we know what you, we're doing there. So project development studies, hopefully on the cards, if not expansion drilling. And then with the uranium projects, it's really a case of, you know, let's, let's try and work out if you can add to the information you inherited and uh, tell us how you're going to approach it. Appreciate your time. Very nice chatting to you, Matt.